Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse Billington, and we are back for the 2024 Formula One season. I say we, I am joined by the full flotilla of hosts alongside me this evening. I've got Timo Albus Daly and I have a mostly healed Ellie Mae Taylor. How are you both? I'm wonderful, thank you very much. I'm going to use that bit of the script you glossed over and just, I'm going I'm to channel it instead. How are you? I'm doing well. I was, thought that was more aimed at Ellie Mae, really. Whichever one of you answered first, really. How are you, Ellie Mae? But you can be me if you like, Jesse. It seems a little bit painful at the moment. I'd rather not. It is a little, but I'm good, thank you. Good to hear. And are you ready to dive into what will be a sort of fairly whistle-stop tour of the news and all the things that you need to know ahead of the 2024 F1 season? It feels a little bit like the... uh last podcast here's the good here's the bad here's some of the ugly yeah we've got a bit of a mix in this one so we'll dive in with the obvious actually as our opening category and um madrid joins the f1 calendar in 2026 as yet another street race barcelona is still on the grid alongside madrid um in some reports um but uh yeah the general consensus we're getting another street race as the continual formula eification of f1 goes on any initial thoughts on that do we need two races in Spain? Do we need three races in America? Yeah, Arguably least... more three races in America than two races in Spain. Yeah, because America's huge. Yeah, but also America likes to think it has a big market share of like watching F1. But I think it. I'd, I'd need to check the numbers, but I'd argue that maybe Spain has an, an equally similar level of fascination with it, especially given there are two Spanish drivers on the grid. Then I'd say go to a proper actual track in Spain and upgrade one rather than making a street circuit if you're absolutely hell-bent on going down that route. I mean, I still don't think we need two Italian Grand Prix because, and if we do, why are we not going to Mugello instead of Imola? But that's a separate conversation. But Madrid, I, we've seen the the renderings for the track and all the rest of it was supposed to look like. I do not care. I mean, if someone gives me free tickets, I will go. But aside from that... I may watch it on TV, but by that point. It looks a little bit too tight and too narrow to be any fun in certainly the modern F1 cars. 2026, they're supposed to be smaller, but I think they're going to have to be sort of 1990s smaller to actually be any good at going side by side around this circuit. And it seems a little cruel to do it to Barcelona after the last couple of years where it's actually been slightly better racing there than we've had for a long time. It's like, we're going to reward you by going to Madrid. I'd rather that they would go to Portugal. Mm. Yeah, I think Portimao would be the ultimate compromise here of simply going to a completely different country. But there is some good news when it comes to retaining proper circuits on the F1 calendar. Both Suzuka and Silverstone have signed contract extensions. Suzuka is there until 2029 after signing a five-year extension, and Silverstone will be around until 2030. So praise the F1 gods indeed. Moving on to the more obvious driver news as well, of course, there is Hamilton to Ferrari in 2025. There is a podcast in our catalogue about that, so go and listen to that one off this i think it was the one we kicked off our latest season with ellie may and i charles has also signed a contract extension with ferrari reportedly for five years but the actual length of it hasn't been confirmed they're being a bit shady about this one albon is also reported to be staying at williams in 2025 nothing on this has been confirmed it's all so far been intent to stay sort of things but um i think williams has been james now seems pretty sure of himself when he says it though yeah i think they want to try and put that one out in the 
in the field of operations ahead of anyone making big plays for that Mercedes seat in 2025. So and we'll it's see. Also, what... one of the weird things that Eddie May and I actually agree on in terms of he would be better to stay there and just build the team out with them, and I think it would be a better story in the long term for that to just be. Wouldn't that just, it's just so much nicer than him just either going back to Red Bull, Red Bull do what we expect them to do to him again, or he goes somewhere else and someone else goes to Williams and makes his dream come true there, and he just misses out through no explicit fault of his own. I think that it's such an exciting time for Williams at the minute, and you know they're going through a whole reshuffle of how they do things. This is the perfect time for a driver like Alex Albon to really sort of cement his place within the team and mould it to how he wants. You know, if he went to somewhere like Mercedes, he'd probably have to mould to them whilst he can work alongside Williams and grow together. Williams is undergoing huge amounts of changes and updates at the moment, so it sort of makes sense to have those updates form around him and sort of really push forwards with making it his team. He's seen how teams work built around a driver, phenomenally Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, and he's got a chance to do that with what is an engineering powerhouse, a team that can actually put together something that is good. And this year they are striving to put together something good, which is finally integrating the LCD screen for the driver information onto the steering wheel of their car. So uh, first time for them doing that one which is interesting however i would like to throw one left field spanner in the works as an idea and a bold prediction that i don't think will happen but it'd be interesting if it did if i want does go to mercedes who would you like to see jump into that williams he can build it around them carlos Sainz would be interesting there and he gets a championship with williams at some point in the not too distant future i'm not against that he all. would look better in their race suits this year than they do, in my opinion, as well. It just seemed that colour scheme works better for him, I think. It would be interesting to see him in a Williams, especially a Williams that is starting to come good. Mm-hmm. Other let's, see what you could, well, let's see what a driver his colour can get out of that car rather than someone who's still learning the graft and finding his potential. Here's someone who knows his potential and could really yeah. bring them forward. I mean, Somebody... my other argument was going to be like an O'Sullivan or a, I want to say, Colapinto. They can be a teammate. They can be, yeah. yeah, they can be a teammate. Well, hell, even a Chadwick who is still tied to Williams. Signs and Fleur, not Fleur, sorry, again, Signs and Chadwick for 26. That would be an interesting pairing. It's not a drive that I'd like to move to Williams, but I would like Adrian Newey to go back there. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what he can do with a Williams that's revolutionising itself. And if they can keep up this performance growth as well, there'll be a scope for them to do interesting things as their prize money increases. But that's all speculative. Things we do know, Lando Norris has extended with McLaren. Um, he's confirmed to be staying with the team until at least 2026, matching his fellow teammates' contract. And so including is... 2026 or until 2026? Including. I, including 2026, yeah. yes. So he'll be racing for them until the end of the first year of the new regulations, which would be interesting. I think that gives him a chance to sort of evaluate mm. things under the new regs, which would be interesting. Um, and speaking of ongoing uh, contracts, Williams and Mercedes have signed a contract extension until 2030. This will see the move on together past the 2026 regulation change. And it's a no-brainer, really, as Mercedes are very much a known quantity and no doubt Mercedes will appreciate two extra cars providing data on their engines, especially as they're losing Aston Martin somewhere down the line who will be taking on Honda engines. Let's not forget that. 
So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. Another quick point of note is, of course, Haas's technical director. This is something we did touch on when we covered Gunter Steiner leaving the team. Um, Simona Resta has left the team, and it's currently unclear if he's going back to Ferrari or not. And this came out at the point that, like I said, Steiner's contract was not being renewed. So there is a podcast we have here with the Haas chap. Go listen to that one if you want to. But the whole thing of sort of... It, producing quite a lot of free agents and Simone Resta being quite good if you give them the appropriate tools and it just seems that Haas never did. Addition to make Haas Chap their new technical director? Or has that post already been filled? <laughs> uh, knowing Henry as I do, I'd be reluctant to put him forward for that position. So we'll move on from that dangerous territory to some equally dangerous territory where i'm going to say exactly what i've written on the script and no more which is of course the horner and red bull investigations and like i'm going to say exactly from the script the investigation is still ongoing at this point and the true details as to what triggered it are varying and it's tricky to ascertain the veracity of it we just want to say that we are aware it's happening we are keeping our finger on the news pulse but until something concrete is out there, we're not actually going to put anything on record. I know that we'd all like to speculate on it, but speculation is not good journalism. So we'll move on to one of the main points, which is actually a shift in people at the top of the FIA. And Tim Goss has left his role as the single-seater technical director at the FIA. So this is one of the people that would have been in charge of leading technical regulations and specifications for all the single-seater regulations from F1 down to things like F4 and F1 Academy. And Tim is the third big figure to quit the FIA through the winter. He follows sporting director Steve Nielsen and the FIA's commission for women head Deborah Meyer. Nielsen is to be replaced by Tim Mallion, the FIA's safety director, who has been in the role since 2021. Nielsen has only been in the role since January last year and left in mid-December so only did one year in that role which is quite an interesting theory. Um, Tim Mallion was previously an engineer at Formula E at BMW prior to that he'd been the head of engineering at Sauber he's also worked with BMW and DTM and been an engineer at Red Bull. Niels Wittich will be continuing on though as the race director for F1 reporting to Mallion overall. Tim Goss, the man who started this all off, uh, moves to Visa Cash App RB as their chief technical officer. Yeah. It's pronounced Torosa. It's pronounced Minardi. It's, yeah, um, pronounced Minardi. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alan Permain, yes, he of Alpine, is also now the racing director for Toro Rosso. And Guillaume Catayani of Red Bull, McLaren and Lotus History steps up as the deputy technical director at the team. He and Goss and Permain will all be reporting to Jody Eggington, the team's technical director, and their principal, Laura Mekis, who many of you will recognise from the Ferrari pit wall. So it's all go, weirdly enough, with the FIA and... Alpha Tauri slash Toros slash Minardi, but at the same time, the FIA have also taken on Alpha Tauri as their clothing New fashion brand. brand. Yeah. I feel like for this part, I want you to put on the YouTube version of this podcast one of those FBI style I charts where everything moves around and connects. This. I want to see I want to see that and then Alpha Tauri just off the side of fashion. Yeah, I was planning on doing a big um, sort of spider's web red string round pins on a corkboard diagrams to go with the graphics on this. So if you're watching this on the YouTube, probably best look away from your work and look at the YouTube for a second. Remember to click like and subscribe while you're there to try and fully graphicize, explain everything I just whistle stopped through. But uh, the overarching thing from this is, do you not think it's weird that Red Bull, the overarching company that owns Red Bull Racing and Visa Cash App RB, has also owns Alpha Tauri clothing, has now sort of got its finger in two team pies and is a sponsor of the FIA, the 
non-profit organization that runs the racing series it's two teams sitting it just seems like they're a little bit too close it's it does me a conflict of interest yeah. it was very unethical <laughs> if mm. not, i would yeah i think you know whenever you have to do like have you ever had to do like ethical courses for bits and pieces work? of with media yeah yeah failed miserably yes yeah, I would be really uneasy about this, but it kind of comes across as this is the sort of thing one might accuse Ferrari of, but with no proof, and it just seems like something they would do, but you could never really pinpoint it. Whereas this seems very much more out in the open and a bit more under for scrutiny. Then, as kind of like, are we sure none of this crossover is is bad? It, it, for lack all... of a clear way of saying that, because it's just such an odd kind of... You're not sure what you're accusing anyone of. You're just like, this seems suspicious. The the best phrase I can use for it is cronyism. It's just happening to <laughs> know a guy. And it was sort of Italian mobster sort of stuff of, ah, I know a guy. And but minus the, the Italian flair for it. Minus so the it Italian bit, more dodgy. apart from Alpha Tauri, which is an Italian clothing brand, but yeah. It, and sort of Minardi. Minardi Italian Toro Rosso is pseudo Italian as well. The whole thing just seems a little bit too close and incestuous with itself to be good for anyone involved. So if we're going to speculate on anything tied to Red Bull, this is the one I want to speculate on because it could have really big ramifications if the whole ball of thread comes undone all of a sudden. And it 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 just sets you on edge a little bit if you sort of go think there's i don't i don't want to think there's something going on here but it smacks as though there could be it's... we are unfortunately living in a time where suspicious timing and announced for announcements and people moving around and how f1 and liberty have operated in recent years makes us think that there's more to it even if there's not it's just that overall feeling and kind of sheds a bit of an interesting light on all of their PR systems because you'd think that if there was absolutely nothing to worry about here, they would make it absolutely clear and just quash anything and we wouldn't even be thinking this in the first place. But the fact that we are having this discussion has some interesting connotations to it. Yeah, it's the whole idea of if this was all completely clear, you would have made it completely clear. But you've just sort of put out the most sort of flim flam sort of surface level press releases and not really wanted to go too far into why a former sponsor of one of your major stakeholder teams is now your clothing sponsor and you're a non-profit organization. What are you doing, Mohammed Ben Salayan? Put down the FIA. This isn't your plaything. Anyway, moving on from that. Uh, there is, of course, some important news that you'll probably want to know about moving into the season, which is actually a bit more relevant to the racing action you'll see on track. And crucially, there is a new structure to race weekend orders, or specifically sprint race weekends. And yay, yay if you're not a fan of sprints. Friday will still feature FP1 and a qualifying session, but it will now feature the sprint qualifying. Saturday will then have the sprint and Grand Prix qualifying. And then there'll be the Grand Prix on Sunday. And I think this is interesting because what it means is there'll be no pushing in the sprint. Drivers and teams won't be really challenging to do anything in the low point stakes of the sprint because they've then got to qualify for the big race. There's no point binning it on the Saturday morning if you've then got to rush and rebuild your car to actually get a good qualifying place for the big points paying Grand Prix. So 
they just sort of neutered the sprint something that had some that they'd managed to make vaguely exciting has now become completely neutered do you think this is a good change i liked it when the sprint was consolidated over the saturday because it almost felt like a separate event and like you said it sort of adds an even bigger element of risk during the sprint if you crash as you your weekend will be completely over whereas previously you almost had a clean slate on sunday to try and get some points I don't really know why they've done it. I can only assume, because it's not changed how many competitive sessions there are across the weekend or which order they're in. It just means that you sort of run sort of practice, then all of the sprint bits, then all of the Grand Prix bits sort of consecutively as opposed to doing practice and then going, wait, which qualifying session is this for? Oh, this is for the Grand Prix. And then we're doing qualifying for the sprint and the sprint and then the Grand Prix. So at least I think someone's gone, well, why don't we just do it all in the sequence that it needs to happen? But not well, that was what I was going to say. It looks better from a lot, from not a logical perspective necessarily, but from a visual perspective. Yeah, you, oh yeah, you sure, you would do that in that order. Yeah. That makes more sense. But it still amuses me that we've been doing this for a number of years now and they've still not figured out that if you're having to do a sprint weekend, that the best way to do it is still how F2 and F3 do it. Yeah. And I don't get why that isn't just what they're adopting and how long it's going to take before they run out of all these other permutations and ways to do it instead of just doing that or, you know, the decent thing and just scrapping it. Yeah, there's only so many ways in which you can run this short of actually starting next, with the Grand Prix year, and going Grand backwards. Grand Prix on Friday. Okay, we had yeah. the same idea. <laughs> the same point, you start with the Grand Prix and then you qualify for the next weekend or something later Sunday on. Sunday practice. Yeah. Important. That would add jeopardy though, wouldn't it? Yeah, so Friday, you practice, Grand Prix, great. Then you sort of do maybe like a sort of wind-down session to consolidate the data. Saturday you have as the sprint and then sunday is a load of practice is the qualifying for the next race so you've then got a week which is a sprint <laughs> which is a sprint so you've then got a week of sitting there going i didn't do a very good job there i didn't do a very good job there shit i'm starting 14th why the hell did i do that which but is it's okay because no one else will know if they've done a good job or not because everyone's going to be so very confused as to what's actually happening and what's worth anything and that'll be exciting and people will tune in. They won't pay attention to the fact that the whole thing is slowly being owned by Red Bull. Um, You've got to think, though, as well, if they did, if you did qualifying in a different, on a different circuit, some cars are faster in certain circuits. So then you could go to the next circuit and whoever has qualified in, like, in pole position may have, like, the third fastest car that wouldn't this... have ever qualified pole position. So it end up actually being a really interesting race because everyone's mixed up. Well, yeah, this is great. I would say whichever to... race you do before Monaco, Monaco if I'm Haas or one of these places, I would make sure the up. previous race amp it for them and then like, I'm staying here. Yeah, if you're Haas, all you've got to do is hope that the race before Monaco is like Austria or Spain and you can just turn everything up to the max because their circuits that sort of seem to suit the Haas turn everything up to 14, party mode, the lot of it. And then you've got a week to rebuild the gearbox that you've obliterated into a million pieces as you cross the line, setting a lap record around... Also seems like the kind of thing where nothing against K-Mag or Hulk, but you do what James May did and just, oh, I'm driving in this quarry, and then just pull over to the side other person gets in, does a mega quality lap. Okay, pole. Wow, I don't know where that came from, guys. I'm just really fast today. It's it's incredible. 
yeah, the Top Gear trick of replacing your driver with a slightly faster driver. Anyway, we'll move on from that round of speculation to some more new rules that are being implemented across F1 weekends, which are crucially the new DRS rules. And in addition to some other rules about use of DRS, um, how it's actually triggered are being changed. Crucially, the race director can now trigger DRS one lap after the start of the race instead of the current two laps grace period. This also applies to race restarts after a safety car period. And I think this is interesting because what someone's done at F1 is sat down, rewatched all of last season and gone, well, it took Max Verstappen a lap and a half to get out of DRS from the guy behind him at safety car restarts. What if we only gave him a lap? Because then at least you've got a chance. You've got one lap, Max Verstappen, to get two seconds away from the field. Isn't if this could... another rule that they've taken from F2 and F3, I want to say as well? I feel like they had this already. Like... So again, it's like, okay, you, you've, you've seen it works over here. You've applied it. Sprint. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there. They're slowly figuring out that F2 and F3 can work as their sort of little mixing pot of concepts and ideas and picking and choosing the right ones. But equally, this one, when you read it through the aspect of wanting anyone but Max Verstappen to win a fucking race, oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun way. So much more of a practical tool because you can just go, oh, yeah, it's just taken away half of Max Verstappen's sort of get away from the field time. The thing is, is we'd need to know how much he was pushing on those laps as to whether he easily got that two-second lead. You suggest was... that he won the entire 2023 championship sandbagging a little bit. Well. Because if he was, A, very impressive, B, we're in for a hell of a 2024 if he was. <laughs> All right, my expectations are already low. I'd also like to know whether this is up to the discretion of the race director or not, whether it's his choice to do it or not, because you've got to think, in some cases, sometimes, a safety car breeds safety cars. Mm. So I almost think DRS in those situations would not go mm. like play well with that. Jed so, sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of... Is and you don't need DRS for that to go wrong, though. They can do that without it. So mm. why not just add DRS into the mix at that point and just have a bit more fun with it? I think this is why it's worded as can now trigger. I don't think it's must or will. I think it's can. I think they have the Petition to rule that as a change immediately and be must. Yeah. Let's do it properly. So Wittich can now sort of muck around a little bit with um, as and when he hits the DRS go button. But we'll see, we'll see how that one plays out. Okay, moving on from some DRS news to something that's actually just breaking while we're recording, and this will probably be our final point because we've sort of had to ditch one of them because it turned out to be a bit of a non-point. It was, in fact, just an announcement that the news on power unit regulations is staying very much the same. Um, the big news that is breaking is Callum Eilot is heading back to IndyCar. He had sort of left it to head over to do WEC for a bit, but turns out he's heading back over and joining McLaren for a little while um, while they're sort of waiting for one of their drivers to get better um who was it that had the bicycle accident recently um was it malukas is it renus yeah david malukas david malukas yeah fell off his bicycle what is it with motorsports drivers falling off bicycles and injuring themselves just before the season starts it's kind of amusing that that's how they get injured though it's not the actual job of, it's not the job it's just you know, motorsport it's, it's a bicycle but anyway, ruined his wrist. Uh, he's currently undergoing medical treatment, getting back ready for the season. So what McLaren over in IndyCar have had to do is phone up a Callum Eilot and go, yo, you up. And um, yeah, they are. There's, there's, your, there's your final piece of news. Callum Eilot will join the Arrow McLaren IndyCar team in Homestead 
Fla, I think that's Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, this week to test with the team. Uh, the team will announce who will pilot its third car in St. Petersburg in due course, because St. Petersburg Hopefully him. their first race of the season and comes up very he soon. He does look good in orange. He does. He looks quite at home in the car and happy to be there. Of course, he is racing at Porsche, or is it Jota in WEC this season? I can't remember what's on my head. It's it's Jota. It's the Jota Porsche. Yeah. Um, so he's over in WEC the rest of the time, but he's uh, returned to IndyCar for a little bit while someone else's owie goes away. He is the new Hulk. He is. He is the super sub, but doing it trans um, sporting classes. There we go. That is all we've got time for on this rather jumbled and uh, very high speed um, preview of the 2024 F1 season, or certainly the bits that you need to know going into it. We'll be back after testing with some predictions for the season to come. And this is a good point to remind you that if you head to our social media pages, you can find the link to take part in our big 2024 predictions game. There is a link to it. You can fill out the form. And it's essentially the three of us as the hosts versus the amassed intelligence inverted commas, of the general public. And we'll be oh, challenging... Are we competing with them? Yes. Yeah, we're going against the the average general public intelligence when it comes to predictions. I may have to rewrite all of my predictions because no, I've right. just gone in with... This will be an interesting season if any of this happens, but I will get zero points. Oh, are they written down already? I... Oh, they are. Yes, I did this I did this earlier. I just went a bit silly. Don't worry. Because I don't oh. think much is going to happen this year. Don't worry. The team has me. Yeah. That's well, true. We're not competing as a team. We're competing individually to try and beat the public. Do you want to change oh. that? <laughs> yeah. So Timo can still lose to the public. You can still beat the public. So I want to see if I can get negative points. Mm, if I score it like I did last year, there is a very real chance you could. Um, I'm going to put the no negative thing that you can it, get from F1 Fantasy <laughs> and put that under mine. I, I won't be accepting that as like a wild card play. Um, we have also set up an F1 Fantasy League, so there will be details floating around somewhere on our social media feeds to go and join that. Timo, it's your turn to make a team as well for our the podcast's um, cumulative layout. So um, I'll give you some details on doing that one. Oh, we're getting a team each for that. Excellent. Yeah, we're getting a team each for that one on the podcast one, plus obviously our own individual teams. So you can compete with us as a podcast and as individuals if you want to join us in the world of F1 Fantasy. And of course, in our my... predictions. I took mine very seriously. You always do, to be fair. Like like with your predictions, but you always seem to come out trumps for taking it seriously. So, I mean, it's not to be sniffed at. I was being sarcastic. Did you not take it seriously at all? No. Ah. What? Having a team where I think who would have the greatest... I don't think he's looked at your team is the point he's trying to make there, so he doesn't know how seriously you've taken it. I've named one the greatest moustache as to who I think out of the Formula One drivers could grow the best moustache. Plus Williams, because they have two previous championships with drivers with great moustaches. And one of the other ones is Justice for Carlos. But that name had already been taken, so I've had to write write it in Spanish. So, And that team is based basically on who I think would back Carlos. In a fight, or...? Hmm? In a fight that they're backing him, or how? Are they, what are they backing him in? Ferrari. Backing him against a wall and just, or no, they they have his back. But they they were the, they were the people that 
as soon as they heard that Hamilton was going to Ferrari, they sent him a their sad immediate, message. Their immediate reaction was to call Carlos up and be like, you okay, bro? Right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. A brief insight into the inner mind of Ellie Mae Taylor. Details on our fantasy league and on how to compete against us in predictions will be up on our social media feeds. Look through for the um, posts on our stories. They'll be up on our Twitter feeds as well. So go and look for them there. There'll be a link in the bio if you're on Spotify or YouTube as well. So go and check those out. In the meantime, we'll be back with some uh, feeder series content as well coming up soon, looking at F2 and F3. And in due course, we will be looking at F1 Academy as well once they've announced their final two, three, two seats that we're looking for. Three, isn't it? Yeah. I forgot the one today doesn't technically count. Anyway, in the meantime, Timo, where can the people find you? On the Curbs, Paddock Sorority, Is It Fast, Instagram pretty much. And also on the Curbs will have its own fantasy league, which will probably join your well, our fantasy league and vice versa, so it's all muddled there. So if you want to double your chances of potentially doing better, because there may be less in that one, who knows? I never know. We never really know how popular these things are going to be. Take your chance and maybe you'll get something, maybe you won't. That's part of the fun of the risk of the game. You're risking absolutely nothing apart from maybe five minutes of your time each week to sort of look at it and go, oh, I did all right. There's, there's no financial gain from this and there's equally no financial loss, which is more the reason why you should do it. Ellie May, where can the people find you? Nowhere. I'm, yeah, doing, right. I'm doing absolute now. Yeah, well, that's because Race Retro was cancelled. It's supposed to be this weekend. And I got in for my, my evening run and got a message from my editor going, we've written six pages of a preview for an event that's just been cancelled. Like, ah, poo. Um, so that, that's, that's how my evening went. was a case of, uh, didn't we just send that to the printers to go to press on Wednesday? Yes, we did. Really, you up potentially watch puts of the Daytona 500 a little bit though, because that got cancelled and moved to today instead and starts in about 14 minutes. Oh, oh, the NASCAR one. Mm. Oh, well, let's hurry up with this podcast. Let's get this finished and wrapped up, and we can watch the NASCAR Daytona 500. If you want more of me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as at Jesse on Cars, and you can also find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. Um, by our latest issue, I'm driving a very nice Mitsubishi Evo in it, and it's very good fun. Um, we'll by our latest soon. issue, it's got a whole six-page spread on a race on an event that isn't happening. Okay, like some of it is about an event that's not happening, but the auction is still going ahead. The cars that we test drove for the auction are still going to be sold. There are a few bits that aren't quite as relevant as we anticipated, but it's fine. The, the, oh, the rest of it, the remaining 64 pages of it are still relevant, so still pick up a copy please and thank you uh, we'll be back with some f2 and f3 preview nonsense in due course have a very good evening unless it's morning wherever you listen to this video.